Welcome everyone, this is a special episode of the Williams Project podcast, it is episode 69, it is going to be about sex, drugs, <laughs> rock and roll and the partying of property developers. We should do that, that's a way better idea. <laughs> no, just kidding guys, we're actually going to talk about business and what we're going to talk about is that fast is the new big. Used to be all about having a big business, now it's about having a fast business in order to have a big one. So enjoy. Welcome back. Sorry for uh, the letdown that we're not actually talking about the property antics, the party antics of property developers. I'm literally like, I knew the topic and now I'm so let down. <laughs> but isn't it great that it's um, episode 69? A lot like of episodes, mate. Yep. A lot of talking to these beautiful human we'll be at beings. a hundred soon. So I think what we're going to talk about is a bit of a cultural shift in businesses. And historically, it was all about having a big business, big offices, big corporate management, big turnover big processes, just think about a big, large, clunky ship. The issue with that, as we know, the world's getting faster. Things are changing so much all the time, whether it be websites, social media, products, innovation. If you have a big, big ship and you try to turn it, it's only got a very little rudder. What What does that mean, Matthew? Well, it, means, it means you can't adapt to the changes that the market throws at you, and there's always going to be some small, nimble scrapper. The speedboat. Who's ready to yeah. take your lunch. Yeah, just whizzing and past. Eat it. And let's, let's think of some practical examples, right? Um, Uber versus the taxis. Yeah. They didn't adapt. The taxi industry could have got an app and could have cut Uber off, but yeah. they didn't. Because they're too slow. They could have had an app where all the taxi companies were in it and then just they figured out some sort of allocation and bidding system and, oh, it's sort of been amazing. Yeah. Probably not compared to Uber though. Taxis are pretty terrible (laughs) most of the time. Yeah, it's sort of the good ones. It's sort of when you buy the more expensive ones like corporate cabs. Corporate cabs are nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But you do pay for the service. Yeah. But But it's awesome. The thing about big and fast is you still do want a big business we were actually talking about this the other day once you get past the point of being a small business and doing everything yourself and having no money and stuff and you become a big business things do get a hell of a lot easier but just you can't become a big business and have mundane slow systems processes staff yep so right i'm going to start with some homework right you guys need to read or listen to a book called The Lean Startup. Now, it's extremely boring, um, but <laughs> it will teach you. Blair almost spat his coffee out. Good pitch. Um, no, but it listen would, to this book. It's terrible. No, but it is fundamental for success in the current economy. It talks about how to take a product to market, and it says instead of building the product, just run an ad. See if the market actually wants to buy it. Right? Well, it's kind of like... Two, you get two examples of, say, two big businesses. And let's say one's a fast business and one's just the typical big ship, small rudder syndrome. And let's say they go, we want to look at going into the Hamilton market for property development. The big clunky business will then have a big sit-round table and they'll do three to six months of peer reviews and reports, commission some people to write some more reports, probably spend, I don't know, $600,000 to then get a report saying it's not feasible. A big fast business will get on a plane, fly there, meet up with probably three key people in those industries, 
get a few napkins out, get a few bits of paper, call a few real estate agents, and within three days know if they should do it or not. Yeah, I would even be bold enough to actually test it by contracting a site, designing a project, putting it up for sale, and seeing if anyone wants to buy it. Yeah, or like you said with the app, don't even have a real site. Be yeah. like, we think we can sell two beds for 600 grand. Let's just say Hamilton two beds coming soon, 599, get 100 leads, call them, qualify them. Okay, we've now established the price of this. Yeah, bang on. But then also there's a paradox to that point. Everything is a paradox, guys. And the paradox is we just released a project of 21 townhouses in Christchurch, right? And we did a little Instagram poll saying, do you want to buy a one bed for 510 or a two, uh, sorry, a one bed for 14 or a two bed for 510? Can I guess what happened? Yeah, go. I reckon everyone said that they want a two bed and on release day, everyone bought one beds. 83% of people said they wanted a two bed and on release day, we sold out of all the one beds. Yeah. And we still had about four two beds available. And a good, a good example of that on a bigger picture is I need to recheck the numbers, but I know recently our best-selling product nationwide has been a one-bedroom townhouse with no car park. But I know for a fact, even though we haven't done it, I'm reasonably sure on it, if I went and surveyed a 1,000 people, I just went and stood in the shopping malls or in the middle of the city saying, you're looking to live in a house or buy an investment property, what kind of house would you like? How many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, how many car parks or garages and price point? None of them or say 1% of them would pick a one-bedroom townhouse without a car park, but it's a best-selling product. And that's why these big, slow, clunky businesses are starting to fail because all they do is commission these reports. They have no meta-knowledge. They have no gut feel. They do exactly what the report tells them to do. And then they blame someone else when it doesn't work because they go, well, we got a report. It said to do this. We did this. It didn't work. And they sit there like chickens having no idea what the fuck just happened. Because we operate, Blair, from a different framework. We say, what does the market want? Well, they want the best property in the best location for the lowest price with the strongest yield, right? So how do we deliver that product? And then we, our solution to that question was a one bed with no car parking. And then your iterations of it, okay, what's the next step up of that product? What's the next step down from that product? Can we go two steps up and is there a bit of a market for that for a three-bedroom product, et cetera, et cetera? Actually, I'll tell you guys a story, right? And this is so fucking stupid. I can't believe it happened. So we went to a development conference, right? And this was in Brisbane. And essentially, it was property developers and marketers and all sorts of people from all over Australasia went to this conference. And there was a workshop called... Um, property development through data, something like that. And what we got given was a data sheet for a suburb. So it said, um, this is the population, this is the demographic, this is the average income, this is the average net worth, this is the average rent, this is the average everything, right? And then so every group, we split into groups of five and everyone had to design a development and present it and explain why in that suburb, that development was the best development. And this is a true story, right? Let's say there were 10 groups. We got presented 10 towers with infinity pools and all sorts of shit, and the pitch was, we're in this area, we want to stand out, here's this big beautiful tower with penthouses and infinity pools and valet car parking and all that. And Matthew and Blair, who, believe it or not, we just took control of our group, (laughs) and 
We designed a two-bedroom townhouse with a car park. You had to build it out of Lego. So we built these little box townhouses out of Lego. And we stood up and we're like, the average income in our suburb is $70,000. The average rent is $500 per week. We want to deliver a product, a two-bedroom townhouse with a car park, 20% under the median house price so we have the most affordable new home in the market for first home buyers and young families to purchase we have 10 two-bedroom townhouses with car parking and we think the greatest number of people in this suburb will be able and want to purchase these homes and we got the award for winning and all these fucking morons with their towers and their (laughs) infinity pools just look like dicks because they built a product that no one could afford when they were given a report with the data so dumb and these were people that were qualified on paper and property developers and all sorts of stuff but also most of them like we have no qualifications so to speak as far as being a pro- property developer these you people have like your property development diploma yeah you write it out on a napkin <laughs> when you get started <laughs> it's on the back of a cigarette pack but these people are like qualified architects engineers like urban designers data analysis people like these are the people that actually get paid to give this advice to the unqualified developer. It, it was honestly terrifying. Do you remember that day? That yeah. was so terrifying. It's hard to build stuff with Lego, though. Remember that. Well, it's easy to build a square box with Lego. <laughs> I think we just ran out of colours, so I think it became a colourful townhouse. Yeah, it was just one Lego block per house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was good. Um, right. What's the topic again? Well, it's the, it's all about the being a fast, big business. And the other thing that what people miss is you don't get a big business overnight. They're created through time. And the biggest risk to a big business is the people that created it leaving or stepping back from management. Because there's what's called meta-knowledge. And it's kind of like the intangible where you can't really write it down on your CV or on your list of duties but it's the ability to just have a gut feel or see some comment and go, that's going to be a problem in four months' time for this, 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 and this. Let's fix it now. And as these big businesses get sold or move on or they put in more middle management, they lose the meta-knowledge. So it's all of this information going up through a management chain, down through a management chain, up, down, up, down, up, down. And there's no one just sitting over the whole thing, just nitpicking apart little problems that no one even knows exists. This literally just happened recently. Um, we have a new architect in Auckland and we have a planner and they designed a development. And I looked at it and I said, that car park's not going to work. And they said, no, we've done the traffic study. It's going to function. And I said, okay. And I trusted them to do it. And Six months later, we still don't have the consent and we had to fix the car park to the way we would have done it anyway. So I made a mistake because everything is your fault as a manager. I had the meta knowledge that they didn't have knowing that that wasn't going to function and I should have just put my foot down. Um, So that meta knowledge is just so powerful. So powerful. And it's so hard to write down. It's so intangible. It's so hard just to write down and say, hey, you're now taking over my position doing this. Here's the list of shit you need to know. Kind of like a basketballer, right? You might have someone who's the same height, same arm length, same number of throws to um, basket. I don't know how they measure basketball. Like same number of throws to baskets, but yet they're just not Michael Jordan. 
Yeah. Because he just has the meta knowledge of how the Chicago Bulls move, how the what players What that guy's move. about to do, yeah. 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 How to get in his mind, how to get out of it, yeah. Yeah. So That's actually a good documentary if you haven't seen it on Netflix. What's it called again? Just something Michael Jordan. I'm sure if you search Michael Jordan, will come up. Not Michael Jordan, Netflix. Oh, The Last Dance. Something like that. Yeah, The Last Dance. So good. Guys, you've got to watch that. Now, another example of how to be a fast business, people use perfection as an excuse to fuck around. So I'm going to break that down. What people do is they go, oh, I want the marketing to be perfect. I want the website to be perfect. I want this. I want that. I want that. I want that. And they use it as an excuse to not deliver outcomes, right? Guys, life's not perfect. People aren't perfect. You want to get as close as you can to perfect, but you're not going to get there. So if the website's pretty fucking awesome, put it to the market. The, product, the marketing book's pretty fucking awesome, put it to market. People spend so much time chasing perfection, and I actually think it's bullshit. I actually think they're using it as an excuse to not create a productive outcome. Yeah, and the other like this th- podcast, right? There must be so many episodes that have massive cringy sections that we should have just deleted. But we are people. We are imperfect. And we do something that's pretty awesome and put it to the market. And then the other thing is with the whole big versus fast, and especially relevant in the property development game, we always talk about our delivery time of how many homes we're delivering per year. Whereas some people go, I'm going to build 3,000 homes so I'm the biggest developer, but it might take them 20 years to do so. Yeah. So they're not actually anywhere as big as they think. And probably on a more tangible level, people talk about their work in progress versus their deliveries per year. Yeah. So like I know companies that have a work in progress of 4,000 houses, but only deliver 600 per year, where we have a work in progress of 400 and deliver 400. Yeah, and it's just... <laughs> I think that's where some big businesses start to struggle is they focus on the size of the beast, not how efficient that beast is. Yeah, and, and they, they normally get away with it because in New Zealand we've had such aggressive house price inflation, but when it turns, um, I wouldn't want to be in that position. Yeah. Not that I don't think, I think we've got another good 100 years of property. Um, but still, that doesn't mean you want to go and have too much exposure with not enough equity. Well, what's good about like one-year projects, you can reasonably foresee the market. Like Even though you can't foresee COVID and shit happens, you roughly know interest rates are going to stay about the same. Average house price will stay about the same. Even if they go up 10% or down 10%, it works either way. If you're doing a six-year project, you might be able to forecast three years out. The next three is just a pure gamble. What are my bill costs? What could I sell them for if I keep them for a bit longer? Like, it just becomes like you're giving that control just to the economy. Yeah, Just agreed. going, I hope it doesn't kick me in the teeth in three years' time. Agreed. So let's just talk about um, being fast from another angle. Now, there's a really good TED Talk um, from this French guy, and it's about productivity. So if you search like... Um, TED Talk productivity, you'll find it. And he talks about the three pillars of productivity. Now, I haven't watched this for about a year, and I'm going off memory here, um, but it was measurability, accountability, and something else. But the main thing is you have to be able to measure it, and there has to be someone that's accountable. I really can't remember the third pillar of productivity. Listen to that TED Talk. It's really, really good. The guy's great. That's something we've learned because the scariest thing about when you transition to a big business 
is how do I actually know I need to employ this other person? How do I not know that the current person I have is just not doing enough output and I'm now getting a second person when really one person can do the job? And that's where you really need those productivity measures and then try have enough different people in the same role so you have a really good baseline of what a good expectation is for an employee. Yeah, agreed. And you need to be able to, so we've just commissioned a report at Williams Corporation where we've picked all of the key milestones to build a house and then we've tracked it from the day we bought that development to each milestone and then we've generated an average. So let's say from the day we bought the development to the day all of the consents are issued, we'll have an average for that city, an average for the country and then a goal of where we want the team to be. And that is going to be so, so powerful because we can sit down with our managers and go, hey, look, the goal was you needed to have all these consents completed in 150 days. Um, our company average is 180 days and you've done it in 155. It is critical for you to meet deadlines, make sure on the next job you're doing that in under 150 days. Yeah, It's now measurable and it's now accountable. And then also you can compare it. We've got two people who do the same job. Both their timeframes are about the same. That means that they're probably both equally as competent or one person takes another two months than the other person when it's an equal job. We have an issue we need to address here. And it's the rule of incremental gains, guys. Like literally you just take a small part of your business and you sit down with that manager and you go, this is a 40-day process. How do we make it 39 days? Yeah. And then once you've got your average and once you've got your goal, as long as each job after that is tracking towards the goal, not increasing the average, it's a win. Completely. Small wins. Yeah. Incremental gains. So but critical. you can't do that if you don't have the information. Yeah. And, and you can't do it if it's not transparent. Yeah. And there's another whole thing, which is reporting off correct information. Oh, yeah. Get, guys, data is dangerous, right? Remember that. So many reports are using incorrect data and it's really dangerous to be making decisions off incorrect data. Well, nearly all of our bad decisions we've made in our career weren't necessarily bad decisions. We just made them off bad data. Yep, you completely agree. And they might be an assumption. It might be a report. It might be, hey, well, let's buy that land, do this project, and roughly cost us this to build. That was the data we had. Then we finished the project. Well, shit, that cost a bit more than we thought. Or shit, that market demand wasn't where we thought it was. So sometimes data is not even tangible or written down. It's just the assumptions you make. Yeah. And normally, people aren't dumb. Like, if you give someone the correct data, they'll make the correct decision. And I actually really like the quote, um, sunshine is the greatest disinfectant. I can't remember the guy who quoted it. Um, but shine sunlight all over your business on every single part. You don't want someone that can hide away in the corner and do whatever they want um, because all sorts of issues can arise from that. Make sure things are open in the ear. Yeah. And look, we're probably too transparent as a business. Like we put all of our cards on the table. Um, but shit, it's worked for us. You know, like we've, we've never really let go of any like salaried staff or... No. Customers love us. Still flying to Auckland in a jet on Thursday. Yeah. So far, so good. I think the best thing with... Um, so far, so good. <laughs> Should I explain that joke? No, I shouldn't. That's dark humor. <laughs> I think um, 
the best thing about being transparent is you then attract the right people, whether that's staff, contractors, clients, everything. And that's the other thing. Some big businesses are so locked up tight, you don't even know who you're dealing with, what they stand for. They're just some vanilla mission statement on their website. You can't call the owner. You don't even know who the owner is. The amount of businesses that you just don't know who the people are and what they do is baffling. And then how can it become a better business? There's so, but then again, on our website lists every single person their exact duties, and I still get phone calls from people like, who is the Wellington accountant? And it's like, you know how you're looking at the Our Team page and you called me, the director? Three faces under is an accountant that says Wellington We should Wellington shove accountant. ourselves like down the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> like on the phone message. Yeah, agreed. That's Push one, idea. two, three, four, five, six for all these other people. And if you're still listening, we're at the end. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Completely agree. But guys, fast is the new big. You need to focus on... If you're a business owner, making sure your business is fast. If you're an employee, making sure you complete your widget within the business at a fast pace. And even if you're just like a member of society, like how do you get your kids to learn stuff faster? How do you get your housework done faster? Fast is important because then you have more time to do the things you love um, and just to like do things better. Well, people feel good when they get stuff done and they're productive. We are beasts of burden. The human body is designed to work and accomplish tasks. People yeah. think we're designed to like lay on the beach and drink weird wine and smoke cigars. I can promise you I've investigated this. You get more happy, happiness and fulfillment um, from completing tasks. Yeah, but you about two coronas on the beach, maybe six. I reckon like three days into it and you're like, nah, I want to go achieve some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right guys, you know you know the drill. You know what I'm gonna say. There's no ads. Um, we do this because we appreciate you. We do this to give you value. If you felt you got value from this episode, please share it with one like-minded friend. Thanks so much. You're rock stars. And I think we actually need to do one on drug sex and rock and roll like Blair promised. <laughs> Alright, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs>